scripture lesson this day comes from Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. Let us turn to God in a word of prayer. Spirit of God, Spirit of glory, bless us with a word of life this day to restore, support, and strengthen us as we seek to be one with you. Amen. So when they, the disciples, had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus replied, it is not for you to know the times or period that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Uh, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew... Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James, all these were constantly devoting themselves in prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. This is the word of the Lord. We like to know how long a journey is going to take from the house to work from here to the beach, or, you know, a pretty good idea of how long it's going to take to get to our mountain house for vacation. During my time as a youth here in this church, several of us had the opportunity to join 40 youth of the Presbytery of St. Augustine to attend Triennium Youth Conference. This is a conference which brings together 6,000 other youth from across the country and world. It was to be held on the campus of Purdue in Indiana a trip that is approximately 14 hours. It said so in our information packet. You can plan for 14 hours. I had enough snacks, Mad Libs, and CDs to keep me and my seatmates busy for 14 hours. But then the unexpected happened. The bus broke down. 14 hours became uncertain. A series of multiple Bus breakdowns left us stranded on the side of the road in Kentucky, or if we were lucky, at a really good truck stop with a gift shop. As the hours added up from 10 to 14, over 20, the teenagers that we were could not help but ask the exhausted adults, are we there yet? Over and over and over again. I have to wonder in reading this text today, how many times did the disciples ask Jesus over their years of following, 
uh, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Or otherwise known as, are we there yet? You don't need me to tell you how difficult waiting can be. Moments of waiting are among the most stressful we can encounter. Our journeys are interrupted and uncertainty sets in. We wait for arrivals or wait for news or wait for what's next. It's not hard to imagine enjoying these disciples, stuck in wonder, in awe, in unease. As Jesus ascends to heaven, leaving us looking up after him. Christian faith is expectant faith. We are people eager and awaiting the completion of God's work in the world. From God's call to Abraham to the revelation here in Luke's writing, God's people have always been on our way, anticipating the fulfillment of the promise. As we sit today in the space between the joy of Easter and the excitement of Pentecost, we pause and read a moment of deep anxiety in the disciples' questioning. They are deaf to the words of Jesus, instead continuing to ask again, is it now? Because surely, surely it must be the time of fulfillment. And Jesus answers them with this. It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. At the moment of ascension, Jesus leaves us with an assurance, a promise, and a charge. We are assured that it is not for us to know or dwell on the timing of everything. We are promised the coming of the Holy Spirit upon us. We are charged to respond to Christ as God's witnesses to the ends of the earth. The story is not over. The time is not now. Yet on hearing this, the disciples are stuck looking after Jesus. Now, I've sat in these pews long enough to know about this time in the service. Many of you are looking up and around, may I direct your gaze this day to this center window. It's the window of the ascension from this scripture that we're talking about, where Jesus is going up. Imagine this with me, looking up here, as we stand with these disciples, gazing up into the clouds after Christ, who we have just seen, ascend into heaven. There suddenly appears two strange men in white robes, who turned to us with their question. Uh, Guys, why do you stand looking up? This Jesus, who has been taken up into heaven, will come back in the same way you saw him go. Yeah, these men seem to say, get on with it. We want to argue back. If Jesus is coming again from heaven, why shouldn't we keep looking up? Why shouldn't we look to earth? where things have turned so bad and we are forever tempted to do wrong. So even today, all these years later, here we stand, just as the disciples did, ready, expectant, but looking up after Jesus. 
Sometimes it's easier or tempting to look up for a pure world or maybe out there. The world is messy. The world can be disappointing. Even as we think of the church as the body of Christ, we still see so many blemishes, so many fractures, so many things that are wrong. But if we stay with our eyes fixed where Jesus left us, we fail to look around and see the mission and call to join in the work of Christ in the world. So the good news is the disciples do get on with it. They return to Jerusalem and join the cast of characters we know well, Peter and John, James and Andrew, Mary and others. Men and women together, and they wait. Waiting for the gift of the Spirit. Waiting for the unknown. But we know this is the setting for the birth of the church. Gathering, praying, and waiting. While the years have passed since this first church, it is we who make up the church today. As we gather to pray and wait for the coming of the Spirit in our own lives, in the life of the church. Even now, we wait for the power of Pentecost. This waiting and praying reminds us that the gift of the Spirit is never assured, or a possession of the church. The Spirit is a gift, which must be constantly sought in prayer. As the postmodern, impatient disciples that we are, we want things faster and to our liking. In an age of instant everything, waiting seems unnecessary. Yet Jesus calls us to this waiting to not lean on our own understanding and direction, but to wait for the leading of the Spirit. We often take the Spirit as a given and not as the gift that it is. This passage reminds us to be humble and seek the Spirit. It is not enough to go it alone. We need the community to be church together. Just as the disciples met and traveled and worked together in Christ's name, We, too, need each other's witness and support to challenge and care in order to live to the possibility Christ calls us to. Turning our eyes around allows us to see the work of the Spirit and how we may be called to join in. One of the amazing parts of my ministry so far is the opportunity to journey and see the different ways that people are called to serve. I share the stories with Riverside everywhere I go. And this is kind of a nice opportunity to come back and tell you all the stories of Riverside and how I've seen the spirit of work in this place. As the people of Riverside, Jesus calls us to be Christ's witness to the ends of the earth. Riverside is responding in vibrant mission in the community and around the world. We support global mission partners in the Franco Zay in Haiti. Here in the neighborhood, RBI is teaching our kids, alongside others in the neighborhood, to run the bases and to catch a fly ball, all the while reminding us that we are one in community together. Meals on Wheels, Desk, the Soulsbacher, and CEW allow us to meet our neighbors through service and building relationships. As the people of Riverside, we show the love of God through our hospitality. We invite residents of Riverside apartments over all the time, especially the Thanksgiving dinner. 
We open our doors to the community for the patriotic concert in Shiver by the River. We share in the joy of new parents dropping off meals by their home. We house visiting groups as they serve in the Jacksonville community. We invite groups to share in our spaces like the Friday morning quilters. The church bus drivers from local shuttles to long trips give us their time and get us there safe. As people of Riverside, we respond in prayer and worship. Worship in this place lifts up the sacred night of Monday, Thursday, or the lighting of the candles on Christmas Eve. The music ministry is a gift through sacred music, even bringing in talents of our own members, and I hear great things about that jazz ensemble. We look for new opportunities to worship God through Wednesday night intergenerational worship offerings. As the people of Riverside, we respond in fellowship with one another. The Bread of Christ program sought to connect and reconnect every member. We gather for coffee and catch up on stories at Holy Grounds. We use the fellowship hall constantly to share meals. I'm excited to see the ways that we continue to share our gifts, along with Steve, the surge of the arts. My standing here in this spot today is a response to the ways in which the community at Riverside has shaped my ability to follow the call to ministry. You have sought to engage me in mission, to share time in fellowship, to sing with me in joyful praise, and extend the hand of hospitality. And I'm grateful. I do not share this to say that we are perfect, in our response, or that we're done, we've done enough, or even too little. I share this to remind us that we are responding to the leading of the Spirit as faithfully as we can. Leave the worry and the preoccupation that tempts us to focus on what is in God's hands and get on with being God's witnesses in the world. How is the Spirit moving us anew to respond and go out? So we wait, together, gathered, invited to this table by Christ who promised the coming of the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit that breathes life into these ancient words, moves in this space and leads us out into the world to respond. Thanks be to God. Amen. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God proclaimed, for the word of God made flesh, we give thanks. And we respond with joy and with gratitude with our tithes and our offerings. 